powerful message of Jesus Christ through the gospel into this uh, Golden Valley, Greater Shepparton area and beyond. We do this also by supporting some missionaries uh, overseas. That's Ben and Megan Moore, so currently with us in Australia, but they're over in Adelaide at the moment. But uh, we support them in Kazakhstan. So we take the gospel not only here, but we take the gospel globally as well. So uh, thank you for gathering with us this morning as, uh, as we do. Uh, this month we are doing uh, what we call mission, not mission, I just spoke about mission, no, vision month. February is going to be the month where we're going to launch uh, the vision for Exchange Church 2025. So over the next four weeks we'll be doing that. But uh, just to get us thinking about that, um, I don't know about you guys, but since GPS units have done our navigating, I've dropped off the pace about knowing where I'm going. Uh, it seems easy to just sit there, doesn't it, sometimes, to have this thing say, turn left in 500 metres, turn, turn left now, sorry, turn around and go back and <laughs> turn again. It just seems real easy to get there, but really when it's like that, for me particularly, I've got no idea where I'm going, believe it or not. I'm just relying on that voice to say, turn left, turn right, do this, do that. But back in the good old days, back in the good old days of roadmaps or mailways, where I would study the map the night before and very carefully and clearly plot my path to going through Melbourne, if it happened to be a particularly a new part of Melbourne, I could place myself on the map exactly where I was. So even when I was driving on a street, I could imagine a map. I knew I'm coming up this street, I'm about to go left there, and I knew where I was in the good old days of roadmaps and mailways. I think a roadmap or a plan is really brilliant, isn't it? It helps you to know where you're going and how you'll get there. And that's what we're going to do today. Uh, we, we are laying down a plan or roadmap for the next five years to see where Exchange Church is going and how we're going to get there to fulfil this plan for God's glory. So just join with me now as we pray, begin to open this up. Uh, Father, we come before you today uh, glad and grateful for the good news of Jesus Christ, for the gospel that has truly saved us and is changing us just as we sung then. It is powerful beyond anything we can imagine in this world. It has supernatural power to take anybody in any stage of life and completely turn them around and reform them into the image of Jesus Christ, which is the most glorious thing that can take place. So Lord, as we begin to think about this over these next few weeks, this idea, this plan of uh, seeing where you want to take this church over the next five years, we pray now, Holy Spirit, work in our hearts work in our hearts to see a bigger and bigger vision of who Jesus Christ is. And then work in our hearts to unify together around this vision to see really great things happen for his name's sake. We ask for your help now, Holy Spirit, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Having a plan of vision is really important. There's an old saying, you've probably heard it before. It's very true as well. Uh, no one uh, plans to fail. We just fail to plan. Yep, you've all heard it before, but it's true. No one plans to fail. We actually just fail to plan. Sometimes some people are very fortunate. They can just wing it, as it were, and it appears like everything falls into place for some people. They put very little foresight into what they're doing. They just seem to roll along, and somehow, for some people, uh, things just fall into place. Happens on rare occasions, so don't sort of think it's the way to go about not planning. When we don't plan or don't have a path laid out carefully and clearly for us, it really is a case of stumbling along without any real purpose or direction about where we're going. And we often do end up wasting lots of time and energy in that case. Uh, I have a good friend of mine 
who was uh, joining with me and my family up in Queensland for a holiday, and they were driving from Melbourne. Uh, but they didn't plan on where they were going when they were going up to meet us on this holiday. And they nearly got halfway to Sydney before they decided to look at the map. And they realised they're going to the wrong place. They're going to Sydney and not Queensland. Uh, anyway, they wasted a lot of time, a lot of energy and a lot of fuel. Certainly at Exchange Church, we don't want to do that. We don't want to waste time, energy, all the resources that God has generously given to us by failing to plan. We are committed to planning effectively and efficiently uh, to use everything God has given to us to carry out the mission of the gospel. So hence, uh, many of you would have uh, been emailed a copy this week, what we call our Exchange Church Vision Plan 2025, uh, over the last week or so. If you didn't get that email, uh, there are some hard copies down the back. If you would like it to be emailed to you, come and see me later on and give me your email address and I will gladly send that to you. Uh, we've put together a plan here that will guide us to glorifying God by lifting up the name of Jesus Christ for all to see up to the year of 2025 and beyond. It's not something we've done in the last few days, I can assure you of that. We've uh, probably been doing this over quite a few months and we've had a, a couple of meetings with all our Exchange Church ministry leaders to uh, form together in this plan and we did collaborate together, uh, sent it out early, some draft copies, come back and then we've sent out a final plan in the last week or so to everybody else. So over the next four weeks, we want to take time here to carefully and clearly unpack this plan as best we can. Why do we want to do this? We want to do this so that everybody can understand the plan own the plan, and more importantly, unify together around the plan as we seek to see this church glorify Christ over the next uh, five years and beyond. So here goes as we think about this plan. Uh, Exchange Church began as a group of people uh, committed to the idea of the gospel growing through church planting. Uh, with the support of Shep AOG, we started a meeting as a small group in September 2010. And uh, you can throw that image up there. You might see a few familiar faces there. That's nearly a decade ago, uh, a few people a bit younger there, a few people a bit older, and uh, that's where we started um, 10 years ago in Gary and Celia Lee's house. And then in April 2011, we commenced public services, had about 65 or 70 people on that first night, but then for the rest of the year, we sort of, sort of moseyed on along 25 or 30 people. After a few shifts of building, uh, we find ourselves today here in the Shepherd and Senior Centre with about 100 people who would call Exchange Church home. Uh, we bless and we thank God for his grace to get us where we are today. Because I know without a shadow of a doubt, if it was left entirely to me, it wouldn't have got to here anywhere near like this. We probably would have faltered and failed in the very first week. It's all of God's grace and we thank him for that grace in getting us thus far. The mission back then was to make disciples of Jesus Christ in the Goulburn Valley, uh, Greater Shepparton area. Now, we are still in that same area, and we see that Shepparton, that we live in the Golden Valley where we are, is continuing to grow as a region and an area. Uh, currently, as at 2020 in January this year, uh, the population of Greater Shepparton is 68,900 people. I can remember when Shepparton was only 20,000 people when I was a boy growing up, but it's now 40,000 people, so it's doubled over my lifetime. But having said that, uh, from the ID.com website where I got all this information from, the forecast for Greater Shepparton in 2036 is to grow to 83,000 people. It's an increase of about 25%. And in Shepparton alone, it's to grow to 52,000 people. So that's about 12,000 people, more than what the, is currently in Shepparton, 
over the next 15 or 16 years. That's quite significant growth. Uh, there's a group called the Regional Cities of Victoria who are working very closely uh, with state government in forming policy, and this policy is all around to grow and establish regional centres like Shepparton into major inland cities. Uh, they're working closely here to try and upgrade all manner of things to make these places like Shepparton, Bendigo, Ballarat and ten sort of major regional uh, towns into inland cities. So I'm thinking with that in mind, as they look to increase and grow Shepparton, uh, Shepparton by 2050, OK, 30 years away, but I'll tell you what, 30 years goes pretty quick, could be 65,000 people in this city alone, but in the greater Shepparton area could be 100,000 people in the next 30 years living within about a 30 to 35k radius around Shepparton. That's a massive increase. That's a massive increase. That's about a 50% increase in where we are today over the next 30 years. That's a lot of people. But if we just go back to these current numbers of what we have here with us right today, 68,900 people living in about a 30, 35k radius around Shepparton, my estimates are, or my best estimates are, because I've got a reasonable handle on the churches that are around here, we'd be struggling out of that 68,900 to have 2,000 people sitting in evangelical churches of a Sunday morning. And what I, mean, what I mean by evangelical churches is solid Bible-believing churches. I mean, there are churches out there that would call themselves a church, probably more of a social, liberal-type church, and not truly a Bible-preaching church. So we'd be struggling to have 2,000 people sitting in evangelical churches of a Sunday morning. What does that mean? If we think about those numbers, what does that mean? Well, let me give you the, the stark reality of that. That means that near 67,000 people, as at this moment, are currently heading towards an eternal hell. That's just the cold, hard facts of what it is. Less than 2,000 people probably sitting in churches. That means of that 68,900, 67,000 are headed for an eternal hell. They're lost, eternally lost, as at this moment. But it also means this. God has given us a tremendous opportunity to rescue these people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So this is what I want us to see today as we think about this need. It's a massive opportunity that God has put before us to play a part in his grand salvation story for the purposes of his will throughout this universe. He's given us a part to play to reach out to those 67,000 people around about us who at this stage do not know Jesus Christ. Now that need is large, but that need is also wonderful. It's a glorious need. It's a wonderful need that he's given to us and a glorious thing to be, uh, take hold of. So therefore, as we think about that need, we want to plan with boldness, because it's big, and we want to plan with confidence because we have an all-powerful, sovereign God who fulfills his purposes through us as his instruments. So we want to plan with boldness and with confidence as we think about this massive need, this glorious need that surrounds us here just in our immediate 25, 35-kilometre zone around about us. With that need, though, with that need, 
in mind. Let's go back to what our mission is as we think about that. Because the mission is the foundation of our vision. We put out a vision plan, but there's a mission actually that drives in underneath that vision plan and keeps motoring that vision plan along. What is our mission? Our mission is to glorify God by making disciples of Jesus Christ through the gospel and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now we've, we've shortened that up by saying connecting people to Jesus, growing people in Jesus. It's the same thing. We want to glorify God by making disciples of Jesus Christ through the gospel and by the power of God's Holy Spirit. The key point though in that mission that drives this vision is this. It's about making disciples. It's about making disciples. Uh, come with me to Matthew 28, uh, where Roger read before, and we'll see that clearly there. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. There's a whole lot of stuff in those couple of verses. We're just going to pick up on the one thing, just the one thing. Now, if you've been coming to Exchange for a while and you're sort of wondering what are we about, what are we doing, it's right there. It's right there. This is the Great Commission, co-mission. We're on mission with Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit. We're co-missioned with them. And the co-mission is that Jesus gave to his disciples is go and make other disciples. Go and make other disciples. Go and tell other people about me. So they would become also my disciples as well. The key command in that verse that Jesus gives to his disciples is make disciples. Make disciples. Everything we do here at Exchange is working towards and contributing towards making disciples of Jesus Christ. It's not just about getting decisions so we can increase the attendance or something like that. It's about disciples. Now, sure, to get a disciple, you've got to get a decision, so we want that. But it's not just that. It's about making disciples. As a Christian, as a follower of Christ, your first calling in life is becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. Before anything else, it's about becoming a disciple of Jesus. Before you become a mechanic, a plumber, a farmer, a teacher, a dad or a mum, a doctor, a student, whatever, Jesus calls you to become a disciple first. You might become a go-getter financial wizard or a property developer making lots of money. That's fine, but Jesus calls you to become a disciple first. You might go and invest years and years of study and training in a, in, in a career or occupation, but it's way more important to become a disciple of Jesus Christ first. Now, you might be asking, are all those careers and choices in life that not important then? Absolutely they're important. They are great things to do. I, know, I would encourage anybody to aspire to those careers. But what happens though is when we become a disciple of Jesus Christ... We have a whole new perspective about those careers or occupations or things we do. I'm not just a mum. I'm a mum for the glory of God. 
I've got this great position to input into the lives of my kid and teach them about Jesus. It's not just something I do or who I am. It's a great opportunity I've been given. I'm not just a doctor. I'm a doctor who can display God's glory through trying to find remedies for the coronavirus. It's something that changes my total perspective. So yes, do those things, but it's about being a disciple first and foremost. Everything we do, and always do at Exchange Church, will be about making disciples of Jesus Christ. Every aspect of every ministry here is about contributing to the work of making disciples. Sharon and Jess have got an event on in a couple of weeks' time. What's that? We would call that a connect event. We want to connect maybe outsiders who are outside of Christ this time to come and meet some people who are Christians and form maybe some friendships or, or connections as part of the journey of seeing them become a disciple. Everything we do is part of becoming disciples. This may beg the question, though, because you might be asking yourself, well, I'm not exactly sure what a disciple is. What is a disciple of Jesus Christ? What does the word disciple mean? The word disciple means student or pupil or someone who is learning. When Jesus has that word there and he says that to the, his disciples, that's what he's saying. I want you to go make students or pupils or people who learn. Here's an example of how we do that at Exchange. Hannah and the team have started for the first day of this year and the parents are all breathing a sigh of relief at EC Kids. So what do we do out there at Exchange Kids? We are working hard to teach, to teach, to teach our children about Jesus. At an age-appropriate level, we are teaching them the gospel. And what are those, what are those kids doing out there? They're like students. They're learning. We're actually discipling them. We're not raising polite, well-mannered kids only. We're trying to actually make disciples. And sure, we want good manners and polite kids at the same time, but we're teaching them. We're training them. We are discipling them. And we carry that out in every area of the church to every person of every age, teaching, training and learning. So the EC vision plan here for 2025 is absolutely centred on gospel growth for making disciples of Jesus Christ. That's what we're about here at Exchange. Let me throw this question at you, though, because you might be thinking that in your mind. Won't all this learning sort of make us into intellectual airheads? Just learning all the time? Won't all this teaching, 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 won't they just fill us up with knowledge and just potentially puff us up in pride because we've just learnt so much and we're just sort of you know, gathering all the information? Or... Or don't we run the risk of making all this teaching become sort of dry and sterile where everything's just facts and figures and numbers and dates? Is it all just about this teaching? Is it all just about this learning? Are we just sort of sit here and we've just got to, you know, absorb all this information? Is that what it is? I think they're good questions. Answer, no. That's not what we want to do. Or are we going to do in making disciples? Uh, let's come across to the second passage here that uh, we've got read to us this morning, Matthew 22, 34, 40. Uh, again, we see here the Pharisees, they're testing Jesus. We saw that last week when they came to test him again. They're actually trying to give him a hard time. And they go like this. But when the Pharisees had heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Try and take Jesus down. Teacher. This lawyer says, which is the great commandment in the law? 
And Jesus responds, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first, this is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbour as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Who are the Pharisees here or who are the Sadducees? Maybe you've never heard of these crazy, strange names before. Uh, They are really the religious people of the day, of Jesus' particular day, and really also they represent the learned elite of society. That's who the Pharisees and the Sadducees were. They were guys who were taught and trained for years and years and years. Uh, They've been students or pupils uh, for a long, long time. Disciples, learning, students, pupils. If you want to talk about a cold, dry, sterile religion, well, this is the Pharisees and the Sadducees probably to a T as far as those guys are concerned. How does Jesus respond to these guys here? What does he say? Well, he tells us there as he quotes some scripture there from Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 37, he talks about loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. What is the main point there of what Jesus is saying in that commandment? Because he calls it the, 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 uh, the greater and the first commandment. What is the point? What's he trying to communicate there about how we relate to God? It's love, isn't it? It's about loving God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind. What Jesus says right there and then totally tips the Pharisees' religion upside down. It just tips it upside down. You see, their perceived relationship with God was through a detailed knowledge of God's law or God's word. It had no personality about it. It had no sort of affections about it. It had no sort of connection with God other than just this sort of um, ink on pages or ink on scrolls for those guys back then. But what does Jesus remind them about here by bringing back to their mind this particular commandment, the, the first and the great one? What is it? It's a love relationship with God that we are called to. It's a relationship of love. It's about loving God. It's about admiring his beauty and reveling in his grace. It's about experiencing his sovereign and divine love in the middle of extreme hardship. It's about the glorious hope that God pours into our heart when all outward circumstances make us devoid of any hope. But he pours that sovereign hope into our hearts. It's about this all-satisfying love love that God grants us, showers on me, that this world cannot give me. It's about a love relationship with God. Now, it's no accident for the last few weeks, if you haven't been here, that we've been talking about some of these parables from the kingdom. And they were living in readiness, living in service, and last week was living in love. That's the relationship that God calls us into. Gospel love is one of the defining markers of a true believer in Jesus Christ. This is the dynamic of discipleship that we are aiming at here at Exchange Church. A dynamic of a love relationship with God. Now we are all about people being learners and growing in the knowledge of the gospel. Absolutely, because that's what a disciple is. But we are saying and doing all of that teaching, training as pupils and students with all of our infections engaged, with our whole being engaged. And if we think about that, that it's a love relationship with God that he calls us to in discipleship, 
it becomes a game changer. Totally changes everything. Absolutely. It's the linking together of the great commission in Matthew 28 with the great commandment in Matthew 22. It's about discipleship, but it's doing it here in this love-saturated atmosphere with God as our great and glorious saviour. So we're not inviting people to come to a lecture room here to hear hour after hour after hour of sterile lectures or sterile information. It's not about that. It's totally different. We're inviting people into a discipleship life of worship, of measureless love. We're inviting people into a supernatural encounter where the Holy Spirit breathes God's love into our hearts and totally renews us in that way in that atmosphere and in that thought. And what we say is what we learn about God actually fuels our love for God. The more you see of him, the more you know of him, it actually serves to deepen our affections. He's not some sort of low-level God in our life. We see him as just all-glorious and sovereignly supreme in the most minutest details of life where he knows us better than we know ourselves. And as we gain this information about God, it actually serves to grow our affections for him. So sure, we want to learn and we want to grow because we know that serves to grow our affections. It serves to grow our love. The two go hand in hand. And one of the primary motivations of gospel growth through God's grace is love. It motivates us. God's love calls us into a love relationship with him. It actually produces this real sense of belonging. If there's one great glorious um, benefit that we experience out of the gospel transformation of our lives is a sense of belonging. I belong to God. And this discipleship is the path we are moving down with that. Motivation of love is the most powerful force we can know. Have a look at this with me in Song of Solomon chapter 8. It says this. Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm, for love is as strong as death, jealousy as fierce as the grave. Its flashes are flashes of fire, the very flame of the Lord. Many waters cannot quench love. Neither can floods drown it. If a man offered for love all the wealth of his house, he would be utterly despised. It's a beautiful passage there in the Song of Solomon. Can you see the power that love has there? It's actually a love story between a husband and his bride, the Song of Solomon. It's a great book to read. But it's a real picture here of the power of love. It says there that death is very powerful. It takes out the strongest people in life. It took out Kobe Bryant nearly seven days ago, a very powerful figure in this world. But not even death can hold back love, it says there. Love is more powerful than death. Love cannot be snuffed out by the raging torrents of fear or whatever else may be happening in our lives. Love stands strong, a powerful motivating force in our lives. Now, I know it somewhat when I fell in love with my wife, Laurel. I did things I wouldn't ordinarily do. Some days I would start work really early and I'd just push through things as quick as I possibly could. Why? Because I wanted to be with her that night. She lived in Kybram and I had to get across there and I was, from one o'clock now the onwards, I was just thinking, how do I get there? How do I get there? How do I get there? Now, I don't ordinarily think like that. 
I used to do some other things as well. I bought her flowers. Obviously not enough. <laughs> I've never bought any other lady in my life flowers. Okay, I do things you don't ordinarily do. Why is that? Because I love her. Love motivates us. Love draws us on. This is the power of love. Look at what Paul says in 2 Corinthians about his love, God's love and his discipleship. He says this, For the love of Christ controls us. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. What does Paul say? The love of Christ has, controls us. It's this positive, powerful influence in Paul's life. He's motivated by the love of Christ. It controls, has this controlling influence upon him in a positive way. So we're not calling people into a discipleship of fear. We're not calling people into a discipleship of guilt. And we're not calling people into a discipleship of works. We're calling people into a discipleship of love with Jesus Christ. Now, maybe this is your first time to exchange. Maybe this is your first time to a church and you're thinking, yeah, that's sort of me. Yeah, first of all, I'm glad you're here. We love to have new people come to exchange. And you might be thinking, yeah, I sort of know about this Jesus, but I don't know him in a loving way. I don't know him in this personal way. I don't know him in the way that actually you're talking about him, Todd, at the moment. Well, this is the discipleship that we are calling people into a love relationship with Jesus Christ, with the King of the universe, to learn about him so that it fuels our affections. Or maybe you've been in this church for a long time and you've no affections or love for Jesus. Now, part of that can be the ebbs and flows in life. Sure, we go through seasons which are very hard and our affections will probably burn very low at those particular times. But if you're telling me I've got absolutely zero affections for Jesus haven't got the slightest even hint of love for Jesus, well then we, are, we want to call you into the same discipleship as well. A love relationship with Jesus Christ. It's a relationship of redeeming and transforming love in him. Look at how Jesus describes his kingdom here in Matthew 13. He says this, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells a couple of things on eBay to go buy the field. No. What does he sell? He sells all that he has to go buy that field. For joy. Not for fear. Not for guilt. Not for works. For joy, he's willing to part with everything he has. Why? Why is he willing to part with everything he has? Because he's found a far superior joy and affection and treasure that nothing he owned could give him. He said, I'm willing to give all that away because I've discovered this thing over here and that just blows everything else away. This is the path of discipleship that Jesus calls us into a joyful, loving, filled relationship. Now sure, don't get me wrong, it's laden with challenges. Every single person who's a believer in Christ on that path of discipleship will attest to that. There are challenges, 
There are hard times. Things don't go the way we always plan them to go. But, but, it's a relationship of love and joy that is marked by this glorious experience we have in Christ along that path. The challenges are there and the hard times are there, but it's a relationship of joy and love that carries us through on this path of discipleship. So this is the core. This is the core of our mission here as we present this vision plan 2025 to Exchange Church and to the greater Shepherdon area. We are embarking on a bold vision, a big vision, a bold vision of making disciples of Jesus Christ in a living and loving relationship. Now, sometimes when we throw these things up, and, and you might have read through the week and the, the hard copy at the back as well, sometimes there could be a concern on these vision plans. You know, oh, maybe you might get sidetracked. You know, maybe buildings. Buildings could become the dominating thing here in, in, in this plan. Or maybe this ministry or that initiative could begin to dominate you know, a vision plan going forward. Or hang on, you could be distracted down the path that, that everything's going to be about music and music's going to take over the church as part of a vision plan. Or maybe we're going to throw all our money at the youth and forget everything else because we think that's where it's going to be. And you may read through that plan and you may not agree with every fine detail there, every statement that's there. You may not, oh, not quite sure about that. Let me bring you back to the core of what we're doing as we embark down this path of 2025. Our core mission is to lift Jesus high. Our core mission that will drive this vision to 2025 and beyond is to use every available resource that God gives us, including buildings, including music, including youth, and everything else God gives us for one cause, to make disciples of Jesus Christ. To see individuals and to see families flourishing in the gospel, growing in the gospel, growing in vibrancy in a relationship with Jesus Christ, not through a sterile lecture type environment, which may even have the appearance of that today, but we understand the Holy Spirit works through God's word. It's not about that, it's about flourishing individuals and families growing deep in the gospel, about every single person becoming a disciple in Jesus. And what's the great benefit out of that? It's actually regaining our purpose in life, why we were created in the first place, to have a relationship with God and then finding wholeness in every area of our lives. As we embark down this path of discipleship, that's exactly what happens. We find healing and wholeness in every possible area we're involved in. And I'm totally convinced of this. Totally convinced of this. If we, as a community of Jesus' disciples, would get a fresh glimpse, glimpse of the love that Christ has for us and a growing experience of that love, which is possible, and that's what God intends for us, by continuing to grow in the knowledge of who he is and allowing his spirit to work that deep in our hearts and doing this together as community, which we'll talk about in a few weeks' time, if we can have that growing understanding of that and that continuing experience of that of God's love in our hearts, this will radically change our lives in the eyes of this world. What did Jesus say? They'll know, they'll know us by the love we have for one another. There'll be something significantly different about us if we allow that love to work out through our hearts in every way. What will they see? They'll see us living uh, to a different drumbeat than what the world is living to. 
They'll see us living for a different hope in our hearts than what they're living to. And that will say something that will raise questions in their mind. They'll ask, can you give me a reason for the hope that lies within you? You've got something different to what I've got. And that in turn, through the Holy Spirit's power working through that, will enable us to have a significant impact for the gospel, seeing many people become what? Disciples of Jesus Christ in a living and loving relationship with him. So here's my invitation from week one in February the 2nd, 2020. Will you join us? Will you join us on this vision? Will you join us to reach out to the 67,000 people around about us that don't know Christ? It's a big vision. It's a big mission, but we serve a big and glorious God who will provide for us what we need. Let's pray. Father, we, uh, we come before you today and just... Um, stand amazed, Lord. We stand amazed. And we stand amazed at this. That for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. God, we stand amazed today as we look at the cross. We stand amazed today that you would send your son to die in our place. And we stand amazed today, Lord, that you call us into your family. You adopt us as sons and as daughters. And Lord, you do this through the blood of Jesus Christ as the remission, as the forgiveness of our sins. And God, we stand amazed because you are calling us to carry on the mission of Jesus Christ. So I pray, Lord, today that you would begin to uh, sow this deep into our hearts the vision of making disciples through the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ in the power of your Holy Spirit. God, we want to see thousands of people across this great region through all of the Bible-believing churches in Shepparton grow. Grow, Lord, with more people becoming disciples of Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, today, please, let that be uh, deeply etched down in our hearts that we are so privileged to play a part in that mission through this vision. So God, we want to commit that to you now and pray. Use us. Use us. Father, I ask that, I pray that now in Jesus' name. Amen.